Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to another episode here at 189. 189. Wow, it's getting up there, dude. It's seriously getting up there. That's one away from 190. And that's 11 away from 200. Could you imagine? What are we going to do for 200? Um, Probably do a podcast. That's a good idea. Yeah. Probably do that. (laughs) This is your boy, East Coast Trev, and I'm joined with my good buddy, Mr. Madman Mardik. Ew. (laughs) Oh, we are here. What a great podcast. Uh, you know, obviously we had Will Jimeno on after obviously. he just came back from Argentina because he absolutely killed it over there. Um, incredible. Always a blessing to have him on the podcast, it, whether it's his story from 9-11 or hunting story, hunting with Will. Will is just a genuine great, great dude, man. Probably one of my faves. The best. The Hands best. Hands down the best. Most positive, most outgoing. You- the, some of the posts that, or all the posts he put, almost every day he posts something on social media mm-hmm. that just have a great day, enjoy every 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 day, you know. Yeah, I mean, when you're in that situation, you would too, man. I just, well, maybe not because, but he does. Right, it's, he's exactly. just a genuine good dude, man. Great outlook on life. Yeah, oh, I cannot wait. Speaking of, dude, I'm looking forward to. Youth turkey season, bro. It's right around the corner. And, you know, I was thinking about this. So we had done a tales, uh, you know, at the beginning of the week. We recorded it today. But in podcast land, it comes out uh, on Tuesday. Two days ago from yeah. now. And we were talking with Josh Stubbs. If you guys missed it, you might want to go back and look at it. But I was sitting there. And he was telling his story about how he was in Florida, Osceola hunting, and then he went to Alabama, Mississippi, so on and so forth. Dude, this is the first year in three years that I didn't early season turkey hunt somewhere other than Connecticut. Mm. Like, normally I've gone to Virginia, Maryland, and that's it. Yeah, and then you, I think you did yeah, Virginia, Virginia twice. Virginia, then, Maryland. Yeah, because yeah, I've done two years in Virginia, and then last year I did Maryland. And then you come back to Connecticut, youth hunt, and then regular season hunt. So this is the first year that the – I mean, genuinely, I might be going to Maryland 
to hunt, but only for a couple of days, and then back home. But I don't know if I'm even going to go and do that yet. And then turkey hunting, you know? And things are starting to fire up here. Dude, it's, it's like, I don't know. It's just, for, I don't know. For me, we're, this is the calm before the storm. Because I, I've been out locating here, you know, a couple nights a week, just trying to find birds. But right. pretty soon here, like this next week, it's going to be a daily occurrence for sure. Yeah, as always. And, and you know, the thing I, I'm, you know, one of the things I'm looking forward to for turkey season, and I'm going to do something a little bit different than I've ever done before, is I haven't done all that much preseason scouting, which I will start to scout a little bit. Got youth hunt on Saturday. We're taking out um, Steve Carpenter and his son for youth with Matt Weddish. And I'll scout with him. Uh, we had talked about it today about going out tomorrow and just trying to find that bird for Saturday morning, which is fine. But one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm literally going to get on the e-bike and literally just run roads in public land mm. and cover as much possible ground as I possibly can on the e-bike. Um and I'm looking forward to it. It's something a little bit different, you know, getting out there and just finding birds in a different place than normal. And I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, I'm driving down the road and I'm thinking about all these places that I want to go in with the e-bike and just and just wreak havoc on them. Because, I mean, the years of doing that, I mean, I'm doing the same thing virtually, right? But I'm just doing it on my foot. Mm. And then to do it on the e-bike would be right. kind of cool, I think. Actually, I don't know. <laughs> it depends if the parts come in because the... <laughs> The master link broke today when I was riding the e-bike. E and I don't know if you know much about e-bikes because I don't. But when the chain breaks, you can't do anything. I had to push the bike home. <laughs> I was so pissed. It sounds like you need to get back in the gym. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, funny. the e-bike would be sweet, man. I don't uh, have one, so you can tell me how that goes. Yeah, well, Matt had killed one on the e-bike. I know we were talking about public. that last week when uh, we were up at Stewart of the Land. I was talking yeah. about his um, e-bike kill, self-filmed. Pretty cool, something different. I don't know. Everyone makes fun of them, but dude, I'm I have one, so I'm gonna put good use to it this year. Absolutely, especially with turkey hunting. But bro, you got Killer's Corner or anything? I don't. All right. So for you guys that don't know what Killer's Corner is, obviously uh, on our group page, the Outdoor Drive on Facebook, you can get through it through the Outdoor Drive podcast on Facebook. Uh, if you enter your kill in, then you can be recognized here on the Outdoor Drive. Um, and we shout you guys out with turkey season right around the corner. Now's the time to be posting these pictures up. Once you post up your report and your picture, then you get uh congratulations from here on the podcast. So make sure to get on over to our group and kind of do those things. And you know, while we're on the topic and the subject, YouTube, like, subscribe, notifications, very important, and get on all of our social media to kind of pay attention to what's going on. Also, me and Marduk have been working on doing merchandise because everyone keeps asking us about this, so we're trying to solidify this. What we're trying to do and why this is taking so long is because we, as small business owners that we are, we want to work with small business owners mm -hmm. that are local. So we're waiting to work with somebody here in Connecticut that's a small business to run our Shopify account and print for us. So that's what's taking so long because we like to keep it small business because we are small business owners, keep it local, very important to us. So that's what we're waiting on and we'll get that all solidified so that you guys can then order that. Um, I do have some hats too. Just reach out to us. Uh, there is some black hats and some red hats. So it's gray and red and black and charcoal. I think black front charcoal charcoal back back trucker yeah. hat and then gray front red back right so we have those, those are, they're on Facebook yep twenty five to 
if you pick up locally, $30 ship. So go and check those out. Uh, first and foremost, we are presented by HuntworthGear.com, which is Huntworth, the best gear in the business, in my opinion. Um, some of the greatest stuff out there. Uh, if you guys haven't checked them out, make sure to go to HuntworthGear.com. You might want their early season Durham pants and their light, their light stuff. Works very well. Hunted in it last season. Beat the living crap out of it. Stands up. It definitely is a very, very good stuff. You get more for less with Huntworth. Nor'easter Game Calls, nor'eastergamecalls.com, Mr. Mark Buzzle. Um, he's doing his thing over there in the shop. Tons of outdoor drive, windbreakers, uh, a ton of really good calls, the box calls. There's some mini cluckers on there. Get on over to nor'eastergamecalls.com. Uh, new website, some really good stuff. He is shipping them out. We also have the mouth calls. So you guys need turkey calls. Now's the time to get on there and get some stuff. We have promo code running right now, too. Yes, though. ODD will save you 10%. Um, That's odd. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, ODD is going to save you 10% for the month of April. So not much left there, but you want to get on over there, save yourself 10% um, and get yourself some noise or game calls. Last but not least, Zeus Broadheads. ZeusBroadheads.com. They are the most deadliest broadheads on the market. Cut the Zeus loose. ZeusBroadheads.com. So those guys, go and thank them. And last but not least, Bowhunters United. We can't thank those guys enough for everything that they do. If you guys aren't members of Bowhunters United, you guys are missing out. The stuff that you guys gain from there, there's all kinds of – you get promotional you know, promos for being members there. You get a nice hat. You get some really cool stuff when you get sent, stickers, so stickers, on and so forth. Nice stickers. Big Very decals, nice stickers. yep. Very nice. So that link is below, so you guys can click on that. We have our own affiliate link, uh, so you guys can get your membership through us, and we get a little kickback for you guys doing that. So that's right below. And with that, let's uh, let's crank right into the New Stream Cruise, sponsored by Bowhunters United. All right, guys. Why don't we buckle up and see what's going on in the world of news with Mr. Mike Salter. Hey everyone, we're going to start this one off with some international news in Australia, where the South Australian government is banning all bow hunting in the state due to three incidents involving the injury of a police officer and death uh, deaths of a domestic cat and sea lion, all as a result of compound bows. The ban has not yet gone into effect, and people are encouraged to take action and speak against the ban, which can be done through howforwildlife.org. Roughly 61,000 people hunt in South Australia and contribute approximately $169 million to the economy. The ban only applies to hunting, not target shooting. Even though all the incidents uh, with bows used uh, were equipped with field points. Uh, this ban would significantly impact not only hunters, but guides and outfitters, shop owners and manufacturers, local businesses, and people who rely on hunting to help reduce their grocery bills. So get on over to howforwildlife.org and help speak against this ban. Now to some national news where the uh, Recovering America's Wildlife Act has been reintroduced. This act would provide... Uh, $1.3 billion annually uh, for state fish and wildlife agencies to implement state wildlife action plans, uh, which outline specific science-based conservation actions necessary to recover and sustain healthy fish and wildlife populations. This bill would directly affect every state wildlife agency and all of us who spend time in the outdoors, so contact your legislators and urge support of this act. Now to Idaho, where Senate Bill 1143 has been approved and signed into law by the governor. The bill grants authority to the Fish and Game Commission to manage shed hunting. Uh, the Fish and Game Commission will now have the ability to impose seasonal restrictions on the possession, transportation, and the collection of antlers and horns to protect wintering big game. 
This stems from stress impacts caused by shed hunting on overwintering big game is and is a good step in maintaining the health of these populations, especially after seeing closures to shed hunting in Utah this year due to winter impacts uh, to big game. Now to Maine, where yesterday the Joint Committee on Inland Fisheries and Wildlife had a hearing on two coyote hunting bills, LD-604 and LD-814. LD-604 extends the night hunting season for coyotes by moving the start to the day immediately following the end of muzzleloader deer season. Uh, LD-814 is proposing restrictions on daytime and nighttime hunting of coyotes. The bill would limit daytime coyote hunting to October 1st through March 31st. Uh, with a closed season from April 1st through September 30th. Uh, any violation of this would carry a $500 fine and mandatory one-year revocation of the offender's hunting license. The bill would set the night hunting seasons for coyotes from December 16th through March 31st. Uh, and additionally, an electronic handheld or mouth-operated predator call must be possessed during night hunting. And the commissioner may appoint agents to hunt coyotes with artificial illumination from October 1st through December 15th. Uh, this is a big change since there's currently no closed season for coyote hunting in Maine and shortens the night hunting season. Uh, so contact your legislators in support of LD-604 in opposition of LD-814. Also in Maine, some good news as for the two 2023 turkey season, hunters now have the option to register their turkeys online and do not have to go to a registration station. The registration stations will be available for those who uh, still wish to register the turkeys in person. Now to Michigan, where the NWTF and volunteers will be hosting a turkey patterning day this Saturday, April 15th, at the DNR Rose Lake Shooting Range. This is a free event, and staff will be available to assist in patterning individual shotguns. They will also be grilling and providing food for attendees while supplies last. Turkey targets will also be provided, but participants must bring their own shotgun and ammo, and there's no registration required for that event. Lastly, to Utah, where the fit, for the fifth consecutive year, the Division of Wildlife Resources is recommending a decrease in the number of general season deer hunting permits. Uh, the proposal includes a decrease of 4,800 permits in northern Utah, which is a 20% decrease from last year, an increase of 600 permits in central Utah, which is a 4% increase, a decrease of 1,000 permits in northeastern Utah, which is an 11% decrease, an increase of 3,275 permits in southeastern Utah, which is a 28% increase, an increase of 450 permits in southeastern uh, Utah, which is a 3.5% increase. Other proposed changes include a slight increase in the public draw bull elk permits, a ban on attaching electronics in essentially any type of hunting weapon, uh, prohibiting the use of cell phones or two-way radios to aid in stalking an animal, and prohibiting the use of visual enhancing technology, including drones, aerial imaging, electronically amplified calls, or night vision devices to locate big game or protected wildlife. The DWR is looking for public feedback on these proposals. Meetings will be held around the state where you can provide in-person comments or comments online prior to the meetings. And the presentations can also be seen on the DWR's YouTube channel. And comments can be submitted through forms directly on DWR's website. So with that, as always, if you have any news to send along, it'd be greatly appreciated. Reach out to me at Mike Salter on Facebook or Bearded underscore Bowhunter21 on Instagram. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride. Thank you, guys. Bowhunters United, and thank you, Mike, for constantly keeping up on the news and great stuff going on, dude. Absolutely. We appreciate you there, Mike. Well, man, is it time to kick back and let Will take over? Because he does a very good job He's on it. He's a professional, man. <laughs> you, just give him the, you just give him the wheel and Will just takes it. You know, it's funny. No, I'll talk about this real quick before we kick this thing into uh, overdrive. But 
you know, when you get on a podcast with Will, right? And pre, pre, you know, prenup on this whole thing, we're talking on the phone, and I'm like, "Will you good?" He goes, "Yep, no problem." So, so you hit record, and you say, "Oh, introduce yourself, blah 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 blah," and then he just takes the yeah, wheel, dude. You, you don't have to do nothing. Yeah, he's a professional, <laughs> professional talksman, hey, dude. One of the best, one of my favorite. Can't wait to have him here for turkey hunting. Um, we're gonna get him his turkey bird, his Connecticut turkey. Um, yeah. Turkey bird, this turkey bird, turkey bird. <laughs> Love me some turkey birds. So let's let Will take over the mic and uh, let's get this thing underway. Send it on over there. All right, we're back on the phone with Will Jimeno. How are you, Will? Good guys, thanks for having me back on the podcast. Hey, thanks for joining us. We we always love having you on the podcast, Will. <laughs> no, thanks, man. Um, why don't we take this thing? We'll turn this key. Let's get this thing underway. Why don't you tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and a little bit about what you do? Oh, all right. My name is Will Jimeno. I'm a retired Port Authority Police Detective with the Port Authority Police of New York, New Jersey. Uh, I was an injured uh, officer on September 11th, and ever since then, uh, you know, I've been blessed to be able to be home with my family, raise my girls. So we're now adults uh, and also just enjoy the outdoors that I love. You know, my wife got me to bow hunting and uh, until today she regrets it because, uh, you know, I went full blown out with it. But uh, that's what I do today is I really, I spend a lot of time with my family, a lot of time in the outdoors and trying to just be a positive role model to people uh, within uh, the United States to love this country and to uh, enjoy our American traditions, you know, hunting one of them. So. That's what I pretty much will wraps up with Will Jimeno. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just you just got back from Argentina on a an amazing hunt, man. Um, and that's why we have you back on the podcast to kind of talk hunting and and kind of what you went through over there and how how the hunting was and so on and so forth, man. So if you want to take us right through it from the start, love to hear about it. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this is three years in the making. I mean. Uh, I had been reached uh, uh, an outfitter from Argentina in uh, what's called La Pampa, which is about two hours uh, from the town of Santa Rosa. So you fly into Buenos Aires uh, and then from Buenos Aires, you take another flight that takes you into Santa Rosa. And then the outfitter picks you up and takes you out about two hours out. Uh, but his name is Martin Sonson. He reached out to me in 2019 and, you know, he just kept up with me on social media. You know, I'm always posting things about hunting. And he said, hey, you know, have you ever thought about coming to Argentina? I said, well, no, but, you know, uh, I've always thought about hunting red stags. And, of course, we all know that, you know, going to New Zealand is a price trip. Uh, and, you know, New Zealand is just very expensive for most people. But Argentina is a great choice because they have awesome hunting. They have red stags. Uh, and it's affordable. So he reached out to me. We kind of talked about things. I put a group together. Uh, I even offered him. I said, listen, man, I said, if we come out there. You know, you give us a good deal for the, the hunters that I have, and I'll see if I can bring out uh, Bow Hunter TV because uh, I'm friends with them and been friends with them for a long, long time. So I had reached out to the guys at Bow Hunter uh, Magazine and Bow Hunter TV, kind of threw the idea out their way, and they said, "Yeah, you know, that sounds interesting. It sounds like a great adventure. You know, bow hunting for stags." And uh, so we got it all put together, and you know, we were about to uh, go in 2020, uh, and then it was about three to four weeks before. And COVID hit, just, just wrecked us. I mean, it tore my heart out because I was like, man, I'm telling my wife, maybe, maybe we could get the trip in before they lock everything down. But unfortunately, it was only like three weeks before and they pretty much shut down the world, as we all know. So that put a damp, uh, you know, dampened everything on us on that uh, aspect of that hunt. And then, uh, you know, 2021, 
You couldn't go there if you weren't vaccinated. Actually, I don't even think they were still letting people in Argentina. Uh, and then 2022 was, well, they still had restrictions on vaccination. And some of the people that I was hunting with, uh, they weren't vaccinated. They weren't going to go. And I'm like, well, I can't bring in a, a group that is not, you know, the entire group that I wanted. Uh, then it was questions with Bowhunter TV. It's like, hey, you know, if we go there, what happens uh, if we get stuck there? Because that's what happened to a group of people that were there uh, before they shut everything down. There were American hunters in Argentina who got stuck there for almost a month and a half. You know, so you're talking about disrupting people's lives. How do you take a, a month and a half from work, a month and a half from your family? So there was a lot of questions. So, you know, the next two years, we were just kind of waiting for the world to come back to normal. Finally, this year looked like it was going to be back to normal. You know, there was no restrictions on vaccination. Uh, there was no threat of any, you know, disease again, as we've been going through the last couple of years. And it just looked like, a, a you know, a green light. So I got a hold of everybody who was initially going. I got a hold of Bowhunter TV and everybody was on board. So uh, it's something that was a challenge for me because I was organizing everything. So I felt like a travel agent. So uh, the way I can tell people is trying to get 10 people together on a trip is like herding cats, right? I mean, you know, I can't even get my wife and two girls to agree where to go out to dinner. (laughs) Now I'm getting like, you know, 10 people together. So it was crazy, you know. So between having to organize air flights, making sure everybody's passports were updated, making sure – you know, answered everybody's questions on what the prices were for hunting, the gear, the weather. Uh, it was exhausting. I got to tell you, you know, of course, in retrospect, uh, it, it was worthwhile because it was such a great trip. But finally got everything put together. And I just remember I was flying out with a buddy of mine, Paul Usurich, who just retired as a Port Authority cop. Uh, and uh, we got to Kennedy Airport. It was going to be a long flight. I was flying in American Airlines. It was going to be just under an 11-hour flight to Buenos Aires. Uh, and I recommend to everybody, save up your pennies if you want to go to Argentina. And, yeah, of course, if you can't afford flying coach, but I would try to fly premium economy. It's not first class, but it's as close as you can get, and it's comfortable. Uh, and I, I really recommend that to everybody. And, again, Argentina is a very affordable hunt for anybody that's looking to go chasing any of the critters they have there, whether it be with a rifle or a bow. It's affordable. It's something that is some, you know, that your dream can come true, you know. And uh, so we got on the plane. Uh, actually, at JFK, ended up meeting a buddy of mine, Charlie Falk from uh, Tennessee. He flew up from Tennessee, met us at JFK. So three of us were on the plane. Uh, and it was a smooth flight. It was a red eye. We got into Argentina the next day. Uh, we left March 21st and got in on a Tuesday night and got in there uh, March 22nd, Wednesday. Uh, got through customs really easily. Uh, no problems, especially since we're uh, going with archery equipment, which I highly recommend uh, because it, to get any type of farm into Argentina, uh, I already had talked to a previous hunter that went the week before and he took his own rifle. He was in customs for five hours. So a lot of the outfitters, what, what they offer you out there is you can rent their, their firearms. You know, you can go in, you can sight them. They have all the different calibers. I highly recommend that to anybody going there. I know that we're all kind of like, hey, I love my gun. I love my scope. I, I'm comfortable with it. But it's uh, it's a hassle. Uh, Argentina Customs will hold you there. Uh, he had told me that he was in there for five hours, and then he was talking to some other guys, Americans that came in from Texas with their guns. They had been waiting eight hours. So for us with archery equipment, we went right through, no problem. So went through uh, Customs. Uh, I had everything set up, which is nice. I already know – 
which company to use to transport us from the Buenos Aires airport to the regional airport where we would take the second flight that day to toward the outfitter. But what I did was I tried to make this an enjoyable trip. I didn't want it to just be like, you know how when people go on business or on a hunt, you you go into the place, you don't see the town, you don't see anything, you're just in camp, you hunt, then you come home and you don't enjoy the surroundings. And this was a big trip. I mean, you know, 11 hours, international, you know, passports are involved, all kinds of different stuff. Uh, so I wanted to make it as 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 an experience that people could remember. So what I did was I made sure that I reached out to with uh, Martin Sonso, who's the outfitter. His uh, uh, outfit is called Cota de Casa de Hungulin, which translates into House of Hunting Hungulin. Um, he gave me the, the name and number to a great transportation company. And they were awesome. It's called Skybus uh, out of uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, so the guy's head guy's name I was dealing with, which is uh, – <laughs> His name was Nacho. He was really, really cool, you know, a great guy. Uh, he had his driver, Jose, meet us at the airport. And, you know, highly recommend if you go to Argentina or any other part of the world, use the WhatsApp app uh, because that's the way a lot of people communicate. It's really easy. I made sure all the people on my group were on it. Uh, I was able to communicate with the driver once we landed. I gathered our group that came from all different parts of the country. We had Kurt Wells from Bowhunter TV uh, was there. He's from uh, Minnesota. You had a buddy of mine from Texas. You had a buddy of mine, like I said, from Tennessee. Had a couple guys from Maryland and, of course, us from Jersey. So we had people from all over the place. We had cameraman from Maryland as well and another one from Montana. So it was just a great mixture of Americans, you know, American bow hunters going out there. So uh, got into Buenos Aires, reached out to the bus driver, said, hey, man, get, gather, gather all your stuff. I'll be out here. It was a big bus, which we needed. Because we had a lot of gear between, you know, suitcases and bows and camera equipment. Uh, Jose met us out there with everything on the bus. And next thing you know, we're off into downtown Buenos Aires. Uh, our flight wasn't till 6 p.m. that night. So we had a little time to kill. So we got a little tour of Buenos Aires. And the best part was we got taken to a really good restaurant. And for those that don't know, Argentina is very known for their steaks, for their meat. Uh, so we ended up going there and I, you know, sat down and I'm like, all right, this is kind of a really nice place. I thought I was going to drop a lot of money. And another plus is because the American dollar was so strong. What I thought was going to cost me probably a $150 meal because that's how good it was. I know it would have cost me that much here in the States. Only actually cost me $48 once the, the exchange rate. So it was awesome. It was like, wow, you know, once you're in Argentina, your money really goes far. So we had a great lunch. We got to see a little bit of Buenos Aires. We got taken to the other airport. Uh, our bus driver dropped us off. We got onto the second flight and we landed that evening about, uh, 930 in Santa Rosa, which is a small airport. Uh, we got, uh, there and our outfitter, Martin, was waiting for us, uh, with another bus and one of his guides. Uh, they received us warmly. We got all on the bus. And, uh, again, I didn't know how far it was to camp. Uh, and I said to Martin, of course, I, I I failed to tell everyone I'm the only Spanish speaking person on this trip. <laughs> so I got, you know, I got me and nine gringos that had like <laughs> no Spanish whatsoever. So like I was not only going to try to enjoy myself, but I knew it was going to work because I had to translate for everybody. Uh, so highly recommend getting yourself uh, Rosetta Stone if you're ever going to go to Argentina and brush up on your Spanish. Trust me. It, it'll be it'll be worth it, especially when you're hunting with your guy in a one-on-one because uh, this outfitter 
every hunter would have his own guide. So you want to make sure that you can communicate with your guide. So it's very important to at least brush up on whatever country you're going to, just learn some of the lingo so you can get by with your mm. guides. But of course, it was easy because I speak, I'm bilingual. You know, I was born in Columbia, but came to the States when I was two. Um, and it, it comes in handy. So of course, that evening, we all get on the bus. And I had said to Martin, I said, Martin, how far is camp? He's like, oh, it's only about an hour away. I'm okay. So we start going and Martin just takes off. There's no speed limits over there. So I don't know. He just disappears. So we're going down this dark highway with this bus driver who's talking to me. And I'm like, all right, we're already an hour and 15 minutes into this ride. I thought we were going to be at camp. Finally, we see some headlights in the distance. It was Martin. And he was waiting for us. Uh, what he failed to tell me, it's an hour for him because he does like 130 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> our bus our bus driver wasn't doing that. And, uh, you know, we later laughed about it because we're like, okay, glad our bus driver didn't do that because we probably all would have been in fear for our lives. But, you know, apparently it's a different country. And once you get into the country, they, you know, they can go as fast as they want. Uh, so we got to camp. It was late. Uh, we were met by all the guys who were just terrific. I mean, we didn't lift one bag they took all our bags they took all our equipment they brought it to a house uh nice a nice nice camp uh they put us each in our rooms so i was room with my buddy paul uh and it was just great you know everybody had two two to a room uh, with the exception of bow hunter because there were uh two cameramen and kurt wells they had a big room with three beds and everybody had their own bathrooms it was just just awesome that evening uh got up the next morning early to start the hunt. And what I wanted to make sure was I asked the guy uh, to make sure he had some hay bales and I brought a deer target and we popped it up and everybody shot their bows in the morning, made sure we were on because that's important after such a long trip. So all our bows were on. Uh, we met our, our guides. Each person had their own guides. My guide was Christian. He was an older gentleman. And of course, because of my injuries from in the line of duty, I have a bum left wheel. So, you know, I can only do so much spotting and stalking. Um, so the plan for me was to go to a blind. It was a blind and Martin had been sending me, uh, videos and pictures from the blind where there was all kinds of animals coming in from red stag, uh, to goats. Uh, believe it or not, one of the things you see there on their landscape is donkeys. Uh, it's just part of their landscape. They walk around. Um, uh, what I thought was an ostrich at first, but it was, I, I believe they're called emos. Uh, the big bird. Uh, that was the first animal I saw that day, which kind of freaked me out because I wasn't expecting to see them. Uh, but of course, one of the other things that they had there was uh, black bucks, which is pretty cool, and uh, water buffaloes. You know, I mean, so that first morning really turned out to be what hunting usually is. I didn't really see any animals. I saw uh, a female and young uh, a, a black buck uh, yearling. Uh, and it was the first time I've ever been around any type of, of uh, that type of creature like that. So uh, they were very quick. They bounced very high. But we didn't really see anything that morning. So uh, we went back to camp and it was exciting because, you know, with so many, we had seven hunters and two cameramen. Uh, so, you know, just li anticipation of listening to everybody's stories and guys were coming in with stories. Hey, man, we were getting close. You know, this stag was doing this. The roar was on. So they were hearing roaring going on. Uh, you know, they would see the black bucks in large groups, uh, both bucks and, and, and females. So it was an exciting morning. Nobody had let one fly yet, uh, but it was really exciting. And as, uh, you know, we kind of were getting still settled in, meeting everybody. They had a great cook there. Uh, so at their main lunch is what we call lunch is their main meal. So in Argentina, 
they'll have breakfast. Their main meal, which is their dinner, is midday. And then late at night, you'll have something smaller. I guess that's why they're in better shape than we are, you know, because they'll have their main course in the middle of the day and then work it off during the day and then have a smaller meal at the evening. So we were we were just treated to a great meal that first day. I mean, it was just awesome. Uh, Martin made sure we had soda, water, bottled water. Uh, you know, of course, had to have some Jack Daniels in the house, <laughs> you know, and a couple other uh, liquors for everybody to enjoy in the evenings. Uh, so we had a great lunch. And uh, my guide, Christian, said to me, he goes, you know, Will, we should try to get back in that blind a little earlier because uh, it was hot. Uh, they're starting to go into their fall season uh, in Argentina when it's our spring. But we there was still in an Indian summer, so it was kind of still warm. Uh, so the guys that morning, they put in a lot of miles spotting and stalking. And uh, the landscape there is almost like Texas. Uh, everything sticks you. Everything wants to grab you. Uh, so I highly recommend if you go to Argentina to make sure you got gators uh, because Martin had told me because to make sure all the hunters have gators. And let me tell you something. Uh, it, it, it's well worth the investment of having those gators. There's these little burrs that are just everywhere. Uh, when we stepped off the concrete from where the house is onto the grass, you would just collect these burrs. And a lot of us had crocs on, you know, at lunchtime. You would come back and lift your croc up and it was just a hundred of these burrs and they hurt. So we knew right away, okay, when you're walking off this, uh, off the concrete, you know, try not to bring that stuff back in your room because it'll, it'll stick you. And of course, during the week, a couple guys brought a couple back and stepped on them barefooted. And that's not a great feeling. <laughs> so it was just another learning lesson of being in Argentina. So, uh, that afternoon, uh, we started heading back out and I jumped in the truck. They were going to drive me to where this water hole was. And again, we were in a wooden blind, um, uh, and, uh, the shot would be probably no more than 30 yards. Uh, so big water hole in front of me. And as we started pulling up in the distance, we could see the water hole. And there was three nice stags there already. So we were getting out there around, I think it was 3.30. And it was really hot. And as we start pulling up, we were probably about 250 yards away. And we're like, there's stags at the water. How are we going to get in there? The guy said, just, just relax. He's like, you know, let's start walking and we'll push them off. Uh, hopefully they'll come back. And that was hard because... Here I'm looking at three stags, any of which I would have shot. And I'm like, if we would have been here an hour earlier, maybe we could have, you know, been in the blind and, you know, but it is what it is. It was the first afternoon. We start walking toward the blind and sure enough, the stags spot us and they start melting off into the distance and into, into the woods. We got into the blind. So it was three of us because I had Jim Thompson from Bowhunter TV was filming me. Uh, that was kind of a surprise because I had set this up for Bowhunter TV, uh, but they had asked me, we're going to uh, assign a cameraman to you because we want to get more footage. Uh, I, I kind of was had mixed feelings about it because anybody who's done any type of filming knows that a lot of times the camera seems to save more animals than, than you can take with them. It's just, it's you know, it's acid. You know, I was kind of looking at just going there and having a good time, letting them do a show. But they, And Jim is a great guy. I've, I've hunted with him in the past up in Canada. Uh, he's just the kind of guy you want to be with. He's, he's full of fun. He's funny. Uh, so it made for a great, you know, cameraman to be with. And then Christian, our guy, again, he was an older gentleman, uh, does, didn't speak English. Uh, so we settled into the blind. And one of the first things I said to him is like, how do you like blind hunting? And he goes, uh, I don't hunt out of blinds. Cause see the majority of people in Argentina that, uh, chase stags are really chasing them with firearms. So bow hunting is, 
Do we have bow hunters that go there? Yes, but the overwhelming people that are hunting the stags are hunting with rifles. So a lot of the guys are used to uh, guiding rifle hunters, you know, kind of like chasing them down, getting within 300 yards, shooting the animal. He had never seen a bow hunter before. This was like brand new to him. Uh, he actually told me, he goes, I, I don't think you're going to kill anything with that. And I'm looking <laughs> at him like, for real? I said, do you see this big Grim Reaper broadhead I got on here? Like, you know, like, do you see this? And he's just like, um, he's like, no, I've never seen this. I mean, it was new to him. It was exciting to him. Wow. But what he liked is he said, you know, this is kind of cool because I don't have to walk around like, you know, many miles. I get to relax here. And I'm like, oh, so this is working out for him, too. So we settled in. And uh, a little while later, here comes this herd of of goats, you know, uh, the mouflons. And, and they start running in toward, toward the water. Uh, and... Uh, so they're they're kind of making a ruckus. Next thing you know, I see a donkey coming from my from my left. So there was wildlife because it was really really warm. And then when I looked to my left, I could see a big stag out about 150 yards. And I think it was one of the three that was there. He was just beautiful. I'm like, wow, look at that. And then in the distance, straight ahead, about another 250, I see two more stags. So it's like, oh, yeah, that must be the three that were here, and they're starting to make their way back. Uh, and it took a while, but they started making their way back and they started coming in and it was like, wow, which one do I pick? They're all great. You know, it's just like a matter of like, all right, once I get a shot at one, I was like ready. I knew it was the first afternoon, but I was ready to let one fly. And uh, they started coming in and it was really crazy because now we had a lot of critters around the water hole. Uh, you had these goats, you had these donkeys, you had the stags coming in. And the first stag that was coming in was a real nice one that had crowns on it. And uh, it came in and it just literally attacked the goat. I mean, it just took its horns and lifted this goat that was in his way and flipped it. And I, we were like, wow. Now, at this point, it's only 20 yards from me. And I'm like, all right, this is the stag I'm going to take. Uh, so, you know, I told Jim, I'm like, I'm going to take this one. Uh, we had a, a, another stag to our left, another bigger one that was to behind him. And it was just commotion. I think I pulled back three or four times on the stag, and I, every time I started pulling back, he would move, so I'd let down. At one point, my cameraman's like, you got the shot. The problem was the stag was right there about 20 yards, but between me and him were a bunch of these goats. And all I thought was, oh, my God, I'm going to let this arrow go, and one of these goats are going to put its head up and it's going to take it in the head. So, again, I held off. So I pulled back like three or four times, and every time I'm holding, and I'm like, I can't get the shot. I can't get the shot. So it started getting frustrating because there was just a lot of animals moving around. Uh, finally, uh, the guide says to me, he goes, you should shoot one pretty quick. I'm like, why? He goes, there's a water buffalo coming in from our left. And I look, and there's this big water buffalo. I've never been around one. All I could say is pictures and video don't do its justice. This thing's the size of a car. And it's coming in from our left, coming in from our left, coming in from the left. Animals are very – it was just a crazy scenario. And here comes this water buffalo and cuts right in front of us at about 10 yards and starts going into the water. And the guy was worried that the water buffalo was going to scare off the stags. And it just got crazy. So at that point, the water buffalo is in front of us. we got animals everywhere. I'm trying to get a shot. Finally, one of the stags comes in. He's one of the older stags, real thick horns, and he comes in and he starts, you know, right in front of me, puts his head down. And I could see the one stag that I was originally going to shoot was a little further back and up on a hill. 
So I said to Jim, I said, we're going to take this one. And he said, the one right in front. And he said, yes. I said, yes. And he goes, are you clear? Because of course, from his angle, it's a little different. He's looking at it and he's like, oh, but you got a stag behind him. I'm like, no, I'm clear because he's kind of higher than the, the stag I want to shoot. And at that point, I'm like, you know what? I'm taking the stag. I got a clear broadside shot. So I pull back, put the pin on him, let it fly. It zipped right through him. And next thing you know, he runs and he runs like to my left about 15 yards, 20 yards, and literally drops within 15 seconds. I mean, just drops dead right there. It was like, yes. You know, like it, it was like, I know it's the first afternoon, but I flew this far. I was going to let one fly. It was a beautiful stag. I mean, I double lunged him. He ran over. The other stags start running. It's just chaos. Like stuff starts running everywhere. And that stag just drops right there. I couldn't believe it. Meanwhile, I still got this water buffalo at 10 yards in front of us. So at that point, we're kind of celebrating. You know, we're kind of, I'm talking to the camera and the guy's like, don't move. Because now this water buffalo we weren't paying attention to, you know, kind of stands up, is looking into to the blind like what are you guys doing you know like and this thing could literally like run us over in his blind no if ends of buts about it so uh the buffalo started kind of approaching and <laughs> and i remember jim saying to me can you ask the guide are we in danger so i asked the guide i said like look uh, are we in danger and he's just like don't move like don't move, he was serious, don't move. <laughs> so we did it we just like froze you know and after a little bit the buffalo starts walking out of the water literally walks right by my stag and starts walking away. And I remember just like, can we get out of the blind now? You know, once that animal, the, the water buffalo walked away, we got out of the blind. And man, let me tell you, it was a dream come true. I walked over and was able to put my hands on this beautiful Argentinian red stag. I, he had, he's older. So most red stags have brown horns. This guy's horns were kind of white and he still had velvet on. And I was told that that's because as when they're getting to the end of their life, they don't even feel like rubbing their velvet off, you know. And he wasn't the biggest in the body wise because he was kind of a little thin on the on the hindquarters because he was old. But I didn't really care. I said he had great tops. He had such mass. I couldn't get my hands around the base of his antlers. That's how thick this thing is. And just a beautiful red stag, you know. And the shot, uh, the whole scenario uh, was a dream come true for me. You know, I've always thought – uh, dreamt about hunt red stag and it was just awesome and uh so at that point we were celebrating uh and uh it was it was a it was something to remember i mean you know we were able to go back to camp celebrate everybody was very happy for me we were all celebrating uh and it was just a great moment you know really really was and you know everybody's going to be able to catch uh this on bow hunter tv it's going to be airing i believe at the beginning of august at some point it's a two-part series because uh, we have more kills to talk about because Kurt Wells ends up uh, shooting a nice red stag. And then, uh, you know, uh, I end up shooting a water buffalo later. And Kurt also shoots a water buffalo, which is all going to be on TV. And uh, it was crazy. It was just a great time. It really was. What did Christian say about after you had killed the stag and then it had fallen within 20 yards of the blind? Because he obviously had never well, seen anything like this, right? Well, that's a great question because uh, i i looked at him and after i shot the stag and it dropped you know of course i was celebrating and i looked at him and he literally had his mouth <laughs> so i said what do you think i said what do you think and he goes i can't believe that happened and he literally told me he goes i didn't think you were going to be able to kill 
anything with that bow and arrow. And I'm like, well, now you see the power of a bow and arrow and how quickly it works. He was just amazed. He really was impressed with it. Uh, he was so impressed with it that the next day, people from around uh, the neighboring camps, uh, or I should say the landowners, came and I was shooting with Kurt Wells uh, after the morning hunt, uh, making sure our bows were on, getting ready for the buffaloes. And they just wanted to come and see our bows. They wanted to see what kind of bows we had. Oh, how do they operate? They had so many questions. Uh, like I said, I felt like we were ambassadors for bow hunters, you know, trying to explain to people the effectiveness of a bow, how it works, uh, how, how a challenge it is. And, you know, that's one thing that was a common denominator. All the guides had never really hunted with bow hunters, and they were just so impressed with everybody in camp because everybody in camp had a great week. Uh, everybody took a nice stag, uh, you know, and the nice thing about Martin's place is if you go with the bow and you're having a hard time spotting and stalking, because it is, it is challenging. You know, most of the shots were about 40 to 50 yards, to be honest with you. Mine was 20 because I was at a water hole. Everybody else's stag were out there to 50 yard shots. Uh, one of my buddies couldn't get close in, so he switched over the rifle and he took a beautiful stag that way. Um, the next morning, um, uh, I had to, help Kurt Wells because he did put a, a shot on a nice stag uh, that evening, uh, the same evening that I shot mine. Uh, but unfortunately he shot a little back. So we were going to go look for it the following day. And it so happens to be, it was the first stag that I was going to shoot the one with the, the, the crowns that hit the goat. He ended up catching him later out in, uh, out in the field uh, and stuck him, but we had to let it lay overnight. So the next morning we went out, and uh, I actually was just going to go help him recover. And Kurt made a good point that I think was a learning lesson for me, you know, was uh, he looked at me. He's like, where's your bow? And I said, oh, I was coming to just help you recover. He goes, no, 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 no. You need to bring your bow because if for some reason we spread out and you come across the animal, you might have to dispatch him. Because at that point, it's about recovering the animal. It's not about ego macho. It's about doing the right thing. And I said, you know what? You're never old, old. Uh, old enough to always learn something new. And I didn't mm. think about that because, you know, again, I'm a Jersey hunter, you know, here where, hey, if I'm going to go help recover a deer, I'm not bringing my bow. I'm just going to help the guy. But no, he's like, no. And that's from years of experience from, you know, Kurt from hunting all over the world. He's like, no, bring your bow. Uh, and as we started going out to Last Blood, uh, Martin said, hey, look, there's a group of black bucks. And uh, he said, one of you guys got to come with me. We're going to try to uh, kill him with the bow, which is very, very difficult, like very difficult. And uh, Kurt looks at me, goes, Will, you go. And I'm like, no. I said, you know, basically, you're the star of the show. You should go. So we kind of go back and forth. He kind of yells at me, you're going. So, again, I'm limited with my leg, but I kept up with him. You know, I'm like, one thing, even though I got a bum wheel, you'll never hear me complain. I'm going to keep up with everybody. I'm a hunter. And uh, it's tough terrain. But we made a huge circle. Long story short, it took about almost an hour, and we got within bow range of these antelopes. And it was one black buck that was out there, and we got behind a big tree, and I ranged them at 58 yards. And uh, so I put my pin at 58 yards. But if I felt something in me like, man, it seems a little farther, but I'm getting 58 on the range finder. And I pull back, and I let it go, and I could see that arrow going right to him, and all of a sudden I hear grass. <laughs> I ended up short. I'm like, oh, man. And they took off. Well, lesson learned, my rangefinder wasn't reading the, the, the black book. It was reading the tall grass because there's a lot of tall grass in Argentina. And it was reading that grass. So that, that animal was probably, I'd say, about another five yards further. 
Uh, it was a clean miss, but it was an exciting stalk. And I'll tell you what, uh, even Martin who was the head guide who was guiding us that, that, that morning. Cause we we're going to uh, try to get uh, Kurt's uh, animal back. Uh, basically said, I haven't had anybody get a shot with a, a bow before. And you came very close. And I said, listen, man, I tried. It was pretty cool. It took us an hour to get to where we could. And I couldn't get any closer because they were out in an open field. And we just luckily were able to creep through. And he would tell me, like, get down. But I can only get down so much with my, my bad legs. So I'm like, bro, just keep going. I'm right behind you. Then he's like, can you crawl? And I'm looking. I'm like. I'm not crawling in this terrain. There's birds everywhere. Like, like, and this guy's like, this guy's like putting his hands. I'm like, and he's coming up with birds in his hand. I'm like, you're tougher than I am, bro. I'm like, I'm not doing that. But we ended up getting within bow range. I came up short. Uh, the footage is great because I mean, you know, and it shows that, Hey man, not everyone on TV kills. You know what I mean? Not everybody kills all the time. That's part of the hunt. It's part of the experience. So it was great. Um, and then later that morning, we went ahead and uh, we were able to track down Kurt's uh, uh, stag. So we were able to celebrate with him on his stag. Uh, and then the rest of the week was every single day uh, that we went out and come back. It was just story after story, which was awesome. Hey, I got close to a stag. Uh, you know, you know, we waited. The guys that did kill, one of my buddies was on his knees for an hour on a bedded stag. And then he put a tw- uh, 50-yard shot on it. Uh, they got like cell phone camera, but it was awesome, you know. And this guy's like, you know, I've been I've been trying for two years to kill an elk, couldn't connect on an elk. He goes, you know, I'm taking a stag, and he put a 50 yard shot on it. You know, uh, all every other guy just put down some really nice stags, but they were they were earned. I mean, one of my buddy Charlie, who actually killed that that uh, stag, had a uh, a monitor reading how much they're walking. One day he had walked 11.4 miles. Uh, all day long between the morning and the afternoon. So you definitely got to be in shape for this hunt. If you're spotting and stalking, you get, you have to really be, you know, your cardio is very important. Uh, and then later in the week, I switched over to be honest with you. Uh, I said, I'm not leaving Argentina without a black buck. So I was able to grab the rifle, uh, on the second to last day. And after about three hours stalk, uh, we came across a bunch of black bucks. I had one shot at one and we couldn't get it off. Finally took a shot on a beautiful black buck, and uh, I dropped him with 30-odd six. Uh, so it was really just an overall great trip. And for me, not only was I happy, I was able to, to arrow uh, a red stag, a water buffalo, which was over 2,000 pounds, uh, and then a black buck with the rifle. But to see my friends be successful and to see their smiles and their happiness and their joy and all the stories we shared in camp every night, after the hunts, it was just laughters with great food. I mean, it was great food every single night. And just the stories. The only thing I was tired about was I had to translate everything from English to Spanish <laughs> and then from Spanish to English. <laughs> so that, 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 that was tough. That was tough because – but at the end of the day, you know, I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. And, again, to see all these great hunters that uh, I respect, admire, and call friends and uh, for them to enjoy this trip, it was priceless. It really was. I highly recommend – to check out Argentina, if it's something that you want to go on an international adventure, uh, it's affordable. You know, uh, I mean, overall, I think you probably spend about, I'd say about $6,500. I mean, the flight's going to cost you, you know, probably a lot. But, uh, like, if you look at, up at Martin, and we can also give the information out to everybody about Martin. Uh, it's a great place to go. Uh, they treat you really good. They feed you really good. They got great animals. Uh, so it's a place that I think people should really check out and, 
you know, I mean, like I said, you know, expand your boundaries. You know, we love whitetails. We love bears. We like North American animals. But uh, there's a taste for me for international stuff that, you know, I still have on my bucket list to maybe one day go to New Zealand, you know, but definitely try Africa one day, you know. So those are, are dreams that I think a lot of people have. But, you know, you can achieve those dreams uh, in Argentina at an affordable rate. I think that's something that people should look into. Was the water buffalo a crazy hunt or did, did you shoot? Uh, him over the waterhole, or was that a spot and stalk style hunt? Well, Kurt Wells was spotting and stalking, trying to get near them. Uh, mine was over the waterhole uh, because they had been coming in, so uh, they said, you know, let's let's try to film one over the waterhole, and uh, it got western. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, you're gonna see it on the show. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we got to the blind at first. Uh, I think it was the second day we got to the blind. It might have been the third day. I lost track of days that's the, the best thing about being argentina that long because we were there for seven and a half days i just lost time and it was nice i, I didn't hear the news i didn't hear all the craziness going on the politics the the financial stuff the, the, you know all the craziness in the world just left us we didn't know what day it was it was just we were having a great time and uh i think it might have been the third afternoon so we went out going back to the same water hole because i had seen water buffalo and I said, you know, I could get a 10-yard shot on one of these things because that's what I wanted, a 10-yard shot. Uh, we start going to the blind, and uh, we start getting out of the truck. And my camera says, look, look over there at 100 yards. There's a water buffalo. Man, to me, it looked like a cape buffalo. That's how big this thing was. And it was out there looking at us. And I'm like, oh, boy. So we just get into the blind. I'm thinking, all right, as it warms up, you know, they're going to come in. Uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll have a repeat of – what happened when I shot my stag that this thing will be right in front of us. I'm still getting set up and Jim says, Will, it's coming. I'm like, what do you mean it's coming? He's like, it's coming toward the water. And here's this monstrous, you know, water buffalo. Now, again, I'm not educated on them. Uh, and I really was overwhelmed with their body size. So I would never looked at their bosses, you know. So I started realizing that the first water buffalo when I shot my stag was a younger water buffalo. His horns weren't uh, looping around. They would just come out to his ears and didn't curl. So you start realizing that the bigger water buffaloes are going to have bosses that come out and then curl. Uh, so this one was a big one. He started coming in, and I don't know. He saw something at the blind. He sensed something, and this wasn't just going to give me a gimme shot. He actually skirted us. And he walked around at 30 yards. And I knew better. Uh, with my gear that I had, I knew that this was a large animal. I needed to be able to put a heart shot on it and get away from the big ribs. And, I mean, their they're hide is so thick. Mm -hmm. You know, we were talking about this with Kurt because he's hunted him before in the past. And I believe down in uh, in Australia. So he said, you know, you got to put a well-placed shot on these things. And you really got to try to keep away from their, from their ribs. You want to go lower because they're just – they're like tanks. So he skirted us and – you know, now we're in the blind and we're sitting there for a couple hours later. And you would think an animal this large, you would hear it coming, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at Jim and I'm looking out the window where Jim is, my cameraman, who's now to my right because I'm a right-handed shooter. So he's to my right. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at him and out the window, I see big bosses. And I'm like, there's a water buffalo right there. And, you know, as soon as he turned the camera, I think that water buffalo made us. And he looked into the blind. He was at uh, at my two o'clock position. Even if I wanted to shoot, I couldn't shoot because Jim was in the way. Uh, and he just stared at us. And uh, he, he went to the water a little bit, then he backed off like 
he knew something was up. And he turned and he started walking away. And I'm like, you kidding me? There goes chance number two. And he's walking away. And when I tell you this thing, uh, as it walks, it kicks up dust off its, body, off its back. I mean, it's just such a large, large animal. And he starts walking away. And my view from that blind when I looked out, I mean, it looked like Africa to me. That's the terrain it looked like, too. You know, it could be Australia or Africa. It's just, you know, and the, the buffalo is just walking. Now he's out there like 300 yards. He's walking away. It still looks like a bus out there at 300 yards. And he walks away. And, you know, now it's starting to get a little later in the day. And the sun's starting to come down. Uh, at one point, we did have a black, a black buck female doe come in. And uh, they're tough. I mean, she got to about 35 yards, looked right in that blind, and kind of knew we were there and bounced away. It's almost like, see you later, suckers. Like, their eyesight is incredible. So I was thinking, man, if we can get a shot at a black buck doe, I'll take it, you know, but not even close. They don't come in the water uh, near the blinds unless it's at night. You know, the guy told me, he's like, for them to come in it, during the day, it's it's very difficult. You know, they're just tough animals. So we just kind of sit back, relax. Uh, we saw some other critters walking around again those uh, uh those emus came by which is pretty crazy to see them you know uh there's such a big bird uh and then all of a sudden the guide taps me on my shoulder goes look to your 11 o'clock out in the distance and i see this big water buffalo coming you could just see his bosses are big he's coming he's coming it was just a beautiful scene the sun was starting to come down he's coming in as and again as they walk they kick up a lot of dust off their, their backs and it's coming with the sun shining on them. It was just a beautiful sight. He's coming in, he's coming in, comes to the other side of the water hole, which is about 25 yards. And he comes in, he's quartering to me. So there's no shot. And he's looking at us and he starts to drink. And I was hoping he's going to go into the water. So I can get like a 10, 15 yard shot broadside, no dice. So he, he drinks and he starts walking broadside now, uh, to us, but he turns and he goes slightly up away from us. Now he's quartering away and he stops. And I look at Jim, I'm like, this is the shot. So I pull back, put the pin on him, I let it fly, and I saw my Lulu go right at him and connect with him and he took off. But the only thing is at that moment I felt, Will, I think you're a little low. And he runs out and he's out there about 40 yards. We could see him. I can't see if where I hit him, but I, you know, I said, I think I'm a little low. Uh, the guy's like, no, you got him, you got him, you got him. So, of course, I'm like, I hope he's right, you know, but he's standing out there. And he's just standing and he's standing and he's standing. We're watching. Then all of a sudden, I can see his back of his hindquarters start to sway. And I'm like, yeah, I got him, you know. The only problem is he's still standing, he's still standing. And this is going on for, I'd probably say, about an hour. He's standing out there. He's not moving. So, at that one point, I'm like, I should go out there and try to stalk up and put another arrow in him. The guy's like. They're very dangerous. They can turn and charge on us, and there's nothing between you and him. And again, I got a bum wheel. I'm like, oh, man. So I'm kind of like contemplating what to do. So now the buffalo starts walking away. So at this point, I'm like, I got to get out and see. So I told the guy, I said, if we get out and go behind to our right, I can glass him. So we did. We got out to our right, and I could see him, and I could see my arrow in him. And it's in there really good, and I could see blood coming at him. So I'm like, all right. I stuck him, but the only problem now is – He's out in the open. He actually saw us and he turns. What these buffaloes do is when they see something, they don't they don't run away from you. They turn and face you like, hey, what's up? You know? So he saw us and we were now easily 180 yards away. But I'm glassing him. I could see the arrow. And I said, Look, I'm I'm low. I said, let's see what happens here. But 
He ended up walking on and he bedded down. And I said, all right, that's good. So we, we kind of gathered ourselves. Uh, we met up with another buddy, a buddy of ours that was hunting and his guide. And we looked at him and he bedded down. And we felt that, hey, I'm a little low, but I got good penetration. He should be there in the morning. So we backed out. And, of course, it was a sleepless, sleepless night. Uh, we reviewed the video uh, on, the, on the big screen TV and I was low. But we all felt like, hey, you got a lot of penetration. Hopefully, I cut the bottom of the heart. So, again, sleepless night, get up the next morning, start going out there. Buffalo's not there. Like, oh, my God. So we pick up the blood trail. We pick up the blood trail, and we go about 100 yards, and now it goes into thick stuff. And my guide was like, I don't think you killed him. Uh, This is very dangerous to go in here after him. But I'm looking. I'm like, well, listen, bro, he's got my arrow in him. We got to follow. We got to (laughs) go. And at that point, you know. Kurt Wells was with us. His camera was with us, but he told everybody else stay behind. So him and one of his guys started going up. My guys like, we got to wait here. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't sit here and wait. I got to go. Like what happens if we see him? I got to finish him off. So all of a sudden my guy started walking up a little bit. I wasn't going to wait. I walked up behind him. Long story short, we spotted the Buffalo and we were behind and behind him. And at one point, I don't know why the guy made a loop to the left because I guess he wanted to try to get in front of him. I didn't like that because I'm losing eyes on him and we're in thick stuff. I want to keep my eyes on him because I figured if we can creep up on him, at some point I can get a shot on him, but we lose him. And that's the first point I said, thinking about my wife, Allison, like, okay, because I've never really chased a dangerous game. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, you know, you almost died on 9 11 because I'm a knucklehead like that. I, you know, I want to help people. I want to, you know, I put myself sometimes in dangerous positions. And I'm thinking of my wife right now, if she knew what I was doing, we're probably shooting. Because now there's a dangerous animal. I don't see it. It could charge us at any moment. And I'm in thick stuff. And I got a bow, an arrow. And this thing's the size of a tank. I'm not going to have much of a chance. So we're kind of like a little nervous at this point. One of the guys goes up into a tree to try to point him out. Can't see him. We get back down. We're kind of crawling through this thick bush. And finally we see him. And the, the buffalo takes off. I'm like, so amazed. I'm mean, this thing running with my arrow in it. Uh, we ended up chasing him for a little bit, and finally we were able to get catch up with him, and we were able to finish him off. I was able to put uh, another shot on him, and uh, you know, it took a while. It, it got a little hairy there. Everybody was nervous. The guide was nervous. I mean, uh, but we were able to put him down, and I was able to recover my water before, which was just an incredible, incredible feeling. Because I can't. I mean, the width of this animal is so big that it's just you'd have to see it to believe it. Uh, so everybody was rejoicing again, the guides and everybody just had a great time. And the best part of it was that they were real quick with it to, to butcher it up. They actually brought a truck out that had a refrigerator. Uh, after taking pictures, they actually butchered it right then and there. And, uh, one of the things that my, the main guy was kind of like hesitant about was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you shot him so late. He doesn't really understand bow hunting. So I said, listen, I have an arrow in him. He bet it down. He's going to die. It's a cool night. The meat's going to be fine because they love that meat. And later I found out why they love that meat. Because the next day, uh, we started eating my buffalo for the next three days. Uh, they made meatballs out of it, steaks out of it, lush out of it. And it was just to die for. I mean, it was so good that we were just like, okay, now I understand why you were getting a little upset that you thought the meat was going to spoil. Because that meat is so delicious. Uh, I can only tell you is if you ever get a chance to eat water buffalo, try it because I guarantee you're going to love it. So it was a great hunt, but it did get Western. 
I mean, a couple points there, we were nervous because we couldn't see where the buffalo was. And again, this is a massive animal, and they move so quickly. That's the amazing thing. Like when they start to run, uh, it's like you know, like a grizzly bear. You don't think it's going to run fast. This thing can run fast, and if it comes at you, you know, you're probably going to have a hard time, uh, you know, doing the ole and trying to get out of its way. <laughs> it's just so wide that you're not going to be able to. And uh, uh, I'd be probably the first casualty because there's no way I could really run. So it's like you know, find a tree. Uh, but most of the time, there were no trees. Uh, it was a lot of thick bushes. Uh, but it was an experience. It was thrilling. Uh, I'm glad to say that, um, you know, Kurt ended up shooting his uh, water buffalo out of the same blind I went to. Because after he saw how difficult it was to get near them, he said, I think it's better to shoot them at, like, under 20 yards in a kind of, you know, uh, situation where you can control more of it. Because mm-hmm. he was spotting stalking, and he knew that. The spot and stalk was going to probably be probably maybe a 40 yard shot. And with their thick hides, he said, let's I'm going to think I'm going to go into the water hunt. And he was successful. Uh, so when you see the bow hunter TV show, you're going to see uh, two stag kills, uh, two great water buffalo kills uh, and a lot of great footage. Because not only did we show the hunting part of it, but what I made sure was on the last day when we were going back to Buenos Aires, because we flew in the evening, got into Buenos Aires the next day. I made sure I had the tour bus, I had a tour guide, and we spent all day in Buenos Aires. Uh, so a lot of the cameramen, two of the cameramen, you know, one of them said, uh, uh, Mike from Montana said, hey, listen, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I don't get to enjoy cities. This was the first time he was going to be able to see the sights, eat, have some food, uh, meet the people. You know, uh, you know, you'll see on Bowhunter, I think they got footage of me doing a tango with some street performer, which is funny. Because they put this hat on me in a very small jacket. I'm like, oh, my God, that guy has a small jacket. You know, but we had a great, great time. Uh, it was an experience of a lifetime. Uh, and, again, I highly recommend it. Argentina is just a great destination and affordable. Again, once you're there, the American dollar is king. I mean, you're just like, wow, okay, I'm at a real fancy place. But I'm only paying like fifty bucks, so it was it was awesome, really great time. It sounds like an amazing trip, and one of the things that I kind of take away from it, you don't hear a lot of them eating uh, of the game. Like I know, like Africa and stuff, they eat some of it, but it goes to the tribesmen. So to hear about the water buffalo being such a great table fare of an animal, was the other animals that you guys took, like the black buck and the stag, also great table fare? Yeah, the stag was delicious. Uh, so the meat, you were not able to, of course, as most people know, you cannot bring any meats from anywhere into the United States. So we don't get to bring that meat back, which is a sin because it's delicious. Uh, but all the guides and local friends of theirs, they all eat that. I mean, my guy told me, he goes, basically your stag is mine. You know, I get to take that food to my family. Uh, and he, he lives in Santa Rosa, so he's two hours away. So he's like, you know, my, my hunters, I get their animals, uh, and we, we don't go to the supermarket. When it's hunting season here, we live off the animals that are taken. So that was a, a really great feeling that you knew that none of the meat was going to the waste. We were actually eating it in camp. The stag was delicious. The water buffalo was delicious. We didn't get a chance to eat the black buck. Uh, I know they tell me they're kind of like turkeys, right? They're tough uh, because they're always moving. They're always moving. They like the back straps. Uh, they didn't really elaborate more on that, but they do eat the back straps on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, nothing goes to waste. The hides, the heads. So, you know, of course, we're going to be bringing back our, our, our heads to get mounted. Uh, my water buffalo, my wife would kill me if I mounted that. So I'm doing a euro on it, but it's heavy. I mean, I can't even tell you lifting the head of the water buffalo. It's just, 
it was really heavy. You had to like work out to uh, lift this thing up. Um, so it was just overall just a great trip and uh, one that I'll always remember. And you know what? I plan to probably in the future go back, get a, another group of guys and go back because that's how good of an experience it was. That's awesome. That's absolutely amazing. The trip sounds absolutely incredible. Probably one of the, you know, you, you hear of all these trips from different places and that just sounds like it's, yeah. it's incredible with, is there other animals to be taken there also? Or are those the three, you know, prime uh, ones? No, they also have fallow, uh, they have uh, access deer, uh, they have fallow deer, uh, there are some critters there that you can harvest that are uh, – you can't bring them back home, but they're like uh, predators. So mm-hmm. they have like these type of foxes there that are really weird looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe it or not, they have what we call mountain lions. They call them pumas. Uh, they're not huntable there, but you, they are there, which mm-hmm. is crazy You know, if you were to see one. Uh, so those are the main animals. Of course, there's a lot of wing shooting if you wanted to go to Argentina for that. I'm a fur chaser, so I'm going after the fur. Uh, but I'm trying to think. They also have uh, hogs. They got these really big hogs with big, big cutters on them. Uh, they they mostly hunt them at night. I mean, if we had one to come in the water hole, we would have tried for one. Uh, and they have a couple other different uh, animals like mouflon, goats. You know, they have the sheep there like that. So they have sheep. They have the stags. They have the the water buffaloes. The axis deer, follow deer. Uh, and I, excuse me, not axis. I think it's just fo- uh, follow. Okay. And it might be axis. I have to check. But uh, the hogs, um, and they have one, one more deer. I can't think of it right now that uh, that's there. Uh, but I did get to see a white all albino fallow deer, which is pretty cool. You know, I saw some fallow uh, albino uh, deer. Uh, I didn't get to see the bucks. A couple of my buddies did while they were stalking. So I was limited like when I was in my blind uh, because one day I was in another blind looking for a black buck, and that's when I saw the fallow deer come in, and one was an albino. It was pretty, pretty cool. Uh, so a couple of the other, most of the other guys got to see a little bit more than I did because they were out spotting and stalking. So they were coming across different animals, uh, but they were putting a lot of miles in on their legs. I, I just couldn't physically do that. Uh, you know, my, my biggest stalk was when I went after the uh, black buck, uh, both the morning that Kurt sent me off after it. And also the day that I killed mine, uh, that was an hour stalk for me. And then three hours stalk later. Uh, on the when I shot my black belt with the rifle, and uh, that was challenging for me, you know, because again, I, uh, an injury that I have, uh, and one of the worst things which I was praying wouldn't happen to me was one of my buddies, Joey, uh, from Maryland, uh, came back and he was in pain. I'm like, what happened? He goes, a big thorn went right through his boot and stuck him right in the ball of the foot, and he, he showed me this thing. I'm like, oh my god. So when I was stalking for my black buck, I kept in mind, like, oh, man, I hope this doesn't come through my boot. But it went through my guy's boot and stuck him right in the middle. But luckily, he, he felt and he stopped. And it took us a while to actually get it out because at that point, I didn't bring my Leatherman with me. And he, did, he had nothing but this big knife. But I, luckily for me, I picked up a, uh, a shed from one of the black bucks. So I had this horn that was about six inches long. He said, let me have that. He actually used the horn to push the thorn through his boot and pull it out. So luckily I found this, this horn <laughs> That's because awesome. he was having, he was having such a hard time getting this thorn out. And there was no way we we're going to move. Like he's like, I can't walk without my boot, you know, just can't walk barefooted there. And let me tell you, this thorn must've been, I'm not kidding you, two inches thick. I mean, two inches long. Wow. And uh, we were able to pull it out. So uh, th- like I said, it's like Texas. Something wants to stick you, grab you, poke you. 
so good boots and gators are a must. It really is when you go to Argentina. Uh, and it's called La Pampa. So that's the area you're out there. It's called La Pampa. And it's just country. I mean, it's, it's tons and tons of open land out there. Uh, and hearing these stags roar is just incredible. They got this deep roar, uh, and it's really, really cool to hear them roar. This hunt is amazing. It was great to hear it, honestly, yeah. Will. We appreciate you jumping yeah, and, on, man. This and, is this is incredible. Yeah. And, you know, I tell people, just in case you want, on Instagram, Martin Sansa is the guide. So you can go to his uh, Instagram, uh, which is called uh, Cota Casa uh, de Hungulin. And I know that probably guys are listening to me like, what the hell is that? But it's just so real slowly I could say it's C-O-T-O-D-E-C-A-Z-A. H U A N G U E L E N. If you go to Instagram and look that up, you can follow along. You'll see the animals we took while we're there, you know. And on Facebook, you can look up uh, Martin, uh, and his last name is S A N S O. Uh, and you can check out and follow him there, and you can see the animals that they're taking now. Uh, and if anybody's interested, you know, uh, you know, feel free to you know reach out to me at my Instagram, Wasp Archer. Uh, and any questions, uh, because Martin, you know, asked me if I can help out, you know, with any American hunters, uh, just shoot me a, a note. If you are interested, I'll help you, uh, hook up with him and it'd be my pleasure to help uh, another fellow hunter out to try to put a trip together of a lifetime for them and their buddies and head out to Argentina. Absolutely. And we'll put the link below here. So these guys that are listening to the podcast can go to the link below. I'll put his, his Instagram, his Facebook, your Facebook on there. So if guys do want to reach out, those links will be below. Um, but you didn't get off that easy. I do have one last question for you, Will. <laughs> I got one last question and you know, we ask everybody this, but what drives you outdoors, Will? Oh, for me, it's uh, the freedom that it gives me. You know, great. Uh, you know, I, I really, I really mean this. I mean, when I hunt, I feel that I'm honoring all the men and women that sacrifice so much uh, with their lives for us to have freedom. You know, we get to do incredible things in this country, and the outdoors is one of them. So every single time that I go out, you know, I thank the men and women that have given their lives from the military, uh, from our armed services, uh, you know, in protecting this country and letting us be free. You know, uh, so for me, that's what drives me is to be able to live my life to the fullest and enjoy the freedoms that so many gave uh, their lives for. So that's what drives me. Well, we really appreciate it, dude, and it, and, it, and it means a lot to hear it. You know, we we look up to you, man. You know, the stories and the things that you've been through and everything like that, it's just absolutely incredible. Um, and we also look forward to this spring, you coming back up to Connecticut and trying to kill a gobbler. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to connect. Uh, we had a hard time last year, and I'm staying the full three days this time. And uh, I don't care if it rains or whatever, but we're gonna get it done. We're not gonna, you know, let those uh, Connecticut turkeys get, get the better of us. So uh, I'm looking forward to following you guys, Steve and. And Trev, and see what you guys do ahead of time. You'll probably kill all the birds before I get there. But. No, we'll save you. We, you know, we'll save you one. <laughs> That's all I need is one, man. But you know, I want to thank you guys for what you do and keeping this obsession of ours, the the, the outdoors, alive and well. And you know, to everybody is listening, man. Live your dreams, man. There's only so many days you have on this earth. For me, I'm 55 now. That's the main thing. I, I I've been working out, getting in shape, making sure that I'm physically active. So. I can still go out and live some of these dreams that I have. You know, I want to go back out elk hunting. My main one is a moose. You know, I want to be able to go after a moose. And for me, I'm a big bow hunter, so I want to chase him with a bow. But whatever, you know, 
tool you use, whether it's a rifle, a, a bow, uh, you know, a crossbow, you know, make time for yourself, you know, make time and, and go enjoy your, because, you know, uh, life is short. I always tell people that life is really, really short and you get older and, and, you know, of course we have fam- family responsibilities, you know, work responsibilities, but you owe it to yourself to go out there and live your dreams, man. Absolutely. Well, it couldn't have been said any better. And for everybody else, thanks for taking the ride right here on the Outdoor Drive.